0: Is mental illness real? You're listening to Psychology in 10 Minutes. I'm David B. Feldman. It's a question as old as the idea of mental illness itself. Most famously addressed in the 1961 book, The Myth of Mental Illness, psychiatrist Thomas Zaz argues that the idea of classifying psychological and emotional difficulties as quote-unquote illnesses takes away personal agency. Instead of holding people personally and ethically responsible for their actions, he contends, doctors attempt to treat the person, often with medications. Proponents of diagnosing mental illness, on the other hand, argue that mental disorders are as real as physical diseases, and diagnosing them allows people to get the services that they need. To be clear, nobody doubts the fact that psychological symptoms are absolutely real and that people are truly suffering. The question is whether it makes sense to refer to these experiences as illnesses in the same way that we think about HIV, cancer, or even the flu. To fully understand the issue, it's important to consider how mental disorders are diagnosed. The Bible of mental illnesses is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or DSM for short, which is currently in its fifth edition. If you were to visit a psychologist's office, one of the first things he or she would do is assess your symptoms. After a thorough interview, the psychologist would sit down, crack open the DSM, and determine whether your symptoms met the criteria for any of the disorders it contains. To qualify for a diagnosis of major depressive disorder, for instance, you have to have at least five of the nine possible symptoms listed in the DSM. These symptoms must last for at least two weeks, and they must impair your functioning. So if you were to complain of a few weeks of, say, intensely depressed mood, loss of interest in things that previously gave you pleasure, staying in bed all day, feeling completely worthless contemplating suicide, and difficulty concentrating, the psychologist may diagnose you with major depression. What's important to note is that the diagnosis would be determined by the symptoms. If a patient has these symptoms and they impair functioning, he or she gets the diagnosis. This is very different from how most of us think about the nature of disease. Generally, we think of diseases as external invaders of the body, like bacteria, viruses, or parasites. We say that someone has a disease if he or she has been subject to that external invader. We can only be said to have a cold, for instance, if our body has been invaded by a virus. That's because sneezing, a hacking cough, and difficulty breathing can be caused by other things besides a viral infection, like allergies or asthma. So unlike mental disorders, physical illnesses are typically identified by their etiologies, a fancy word for causes, rather than solely by their symptoms. Because mental disorders are generally identified on the basis of their symptoms, a mental illness diagnosis isn't an explanation for anything. If you go to the doctor complaining of upper respiratory symptoms and he or she diagnoses you with the flu, this provides an explanation for your symptoms. The flu virus is causing your coughing and sneezing. But if your psychotherapist diagnoses you with major depressive disorder, this doesn't provide an explanation for your mood symptoms at all. The label major depression is simply a shorthand summary of the symptoms you probably already knew you have. There's a good reason for this reliance on symptoms to diagnose mental disorders, however. When mental health professionals began diagnosing mental illness nearly a hundred years ago, it was on the basis of the causes or ideologies of those illnesses, just like for physical diseases. Given the state of science at the time, however, there was a big problem. Nobody could agree what the causes of any particular disorder were. The field was splintered into different schools of thought. The psychoanalysts believed that mental illnesses were often caused by unconscious sexual issues stemming from childhood. Behavior therapists believed that many disorders were nothing more than dysfunctional behaviors learned as a result of inconsistent reinforcement and punishment in the home. Cognitive therapists later hypothesized that mental illnesses were often due to particular negative views of the self, known as schemas. As a result of all this disagreement, Diagnosis was unreliable. If you went to three different mental health providers complaining of the exact same symptoms, you would likely receive three different diagnoses. To remedy this situation, with the publication of the third edition of the DSM in 1980, the American Psychiatric Association changed over to the current, much more reliable symptom based system. The fact that a mental illness diagnosis only describes, rather than explains, a person's symptoms doesn't make it useless, however. A diagnosis accomplishes two very important things. First, it helps direct the therapist towards what treatments work for that disorder. As a psychologist myself, if I know that my patient has a particular combination of symptoms that would allow me to diagnose major depression or panic disorder or obsessive-compulsive disorder, I can turn to the empirical research about what techniques have helped others with that diagnosis in the past, rather than reinventing the wheel each time. Personally, if I were a patient, I'd want to know that what my therapists were doing was something that had been shown to work for others with problems similar to my own. As such, diagnostic labels facilitate an evidence-based approach to treatment. Second, a diagnosis can help unlock access to care. For better or worse, in our current medical system in the United States, insurance companies and healthcare agencies sometimes require a person to qualify for a mental disorder diagnosis in order to receive certain kinds of treatment. This isn't always the case, of course, but it sometimes is. So, are mental illnesses real? Yes. But we need to understand their limitations. They're generally not external invaders of the body, like viruses or bacteria. And they don't necessarily absolve people of responsibility for their actions. But they are useful descriptions of the very real suffering that people can experience. Even given its many limitations, the concept of mental illness has helped to structure the field of mental health for decades. It helps people to connect to the care they need, and it's unlikely to go away anytime soon. That's Psychology in 10 Minutes.